Victory Royal family. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. Come on, we're going to clap today. It's good to be in God's house. Well, hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today. And just in case you're wondering, we sing more than one song on a Sunday. And, uh, and so at the end of our time together today, we'll be, the worship team will come back out and join us and we'll finish our worship at the end. Is that all right with you? That's how it's going to happen today. So, <laughs> well, well, listen, if you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us. And to our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars, show them some love, family, family clap for them. Did you have a good week this week? Praise God. Anyone have any battles this week that you were fighting? Any battles in the house? Some of you don't even want to raise your hand about it. You're like, that battle's gone. It's over with. I'm done. Don't want to think about it. Today, as we continue our conversation um, in this area, church that heals, today I want to talk about emotional healing with you, mental healing, emotional healing. How many of you know that we serve a God who can heal our physical bodies? This scripture... <laughs> in case you don't know, the scripture says that by his stripes we're made whole. And uh, when we began building this house, this physical building, I, I felt like the Lord gave me an insight, a glimpse into the future of our home here. Being raised in church, I realized that the church, the body of Christ, we can do some things exceptionally well. We can minister to the hearts and to the souls of people we can lead people into a relationship with Jesus, which is the greatest thing that we can do as sons and daughters of God, to extend a hand to people who are hopeless, to help them, but really, more important than anything else, introduce them to their Savior, their Heavenly Father. Can you say amen? And, but sometimes, and maybe it's just the, what we've cultivated over the course of time as a church body, we've we've often outsourced many other aspects of our well-being. This series intends to touch on the holistic idea of wholeness in our lives. Jesus has come to give us wholeness. In John 10.10, 10, he says, I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly, not just thriving in a spiritual context, but thriving in a physical, emotional, relational context in our lives. And sometimes we can compartmentalize everything. So spiritually, when you come in, you're like, I'm good, but my body's broken and I have no relationships. But spiritually, I'm good. I believe God's come so that all aspects of our life can experience wholeness. Can you say amen? And so in, in that vein, when we began True North in 2006, June 4th, 2006, we, have our, we had our first service. And at the time... I was uh, studying in seminary at Regent University, and I remember getting ready to graduate. I was so excited because many, many of you know me that I, um, I didn't like school, and um, I'm trying to figure out how to say it kindly. I didn't, I didn't like school that much. I struggled in the academic environment. There were, and I suppose I struggled the most because maybe just the way I'm wired, but I always just had, I felt like my, all my insecurities were exposed in academic environments. And so I just didn't want to be there. I would always be on edge, like, you know, the most frightening thing for me. Now, you may think this is weird, but the most frightening thing was for the, for the teacher to, to call on me. I would run out to the bathroom if I thought I was next in line to be called on. And I, I just, I, I never liked those environments. So as I neared the end of my education, I felt like the Lord told me to enroll in the School of Psychology and Counseling in graduate school. I thought it was the, it was the joke of the year. And um, I laughed about it every time I prayed. I laughed. I said, this is hilarious. There's no way. And, and you know, the laughter that leads to a cry. 
Anyone else have those? You start laughing and then you just cry. And, and that was that for me. But I went to the School of Psychology and Counseling. And have you ever went where God told you to go, but you didn't understand why? I realized for the first time, I always told people I was a person of faith until you start walking in faith. And then it started to feel foreign to me. Then I realized that this is what faith is. It's not knowing what is to come, but I'm going to walk in it because God's called me to walk in it. And I'll reap the byproduct of it if I trust and have faith in God. And so I went to the school of psychology and counseling. And I realized in that season, God was equipping me for the future of where he would lead me to. And at the time, I had no idea that I would stand before you today um, what would be weeks out from beginning the construction of our very own wellness center over uh, nearly 7,000 square foot of a facility that will have professional counselors, coaches that will help minister to the mental, emotional wellness and well-being of not only our church family, but our community. And that's, that's worth, worth clapping Jesus for. When I was in that environment, one of the things I realized is that equipping, the Bible teaches in Ephesians 4 that the, the ministry, um, the gifts of the ministry, the leadership of the church, we've been given the gifts to equip the saints. So our responsibility is to equip you for the works of the ministry so that you can be successful in every sphere of life to where God calls you. One of the things that I felt the Lord speak to me so clearly about is that while we minister well to the spiritual component of, of society, there's a lot of relational and emotional things that, that though the church is well-intended in our approach to them, we're often ignorant of what it really means to deal with aspects of um, depression and anxiety and bipolar, schizophrenia, all of these things that, you know, you may be here today and say, well, I don't deal with those things, but there's probably someone in your world that may deal with those things. And for a long time, I, I was frustrated outsourcing healing to society and say, well, go find a psychologist and go find a counselor and, and find someone that can help you. I know you need it because I've learned the boundaries that I can help you with when I studied in school. And, and so I would send them out and my heart would always break because I'm like, man, there has to be a place where there is biblical-centered professional counseling and psychologists that can come around not to compromise on God's word, but to sit down in a professional way to help people find wholeness and healing. And, you know, it's like you can only search so long online before you get discouraged and be like, is it, are there really no places? And, and what we're attempting to do is, is very unique. And, and I believe God's called us in many ways to pioneer things in a unique way to help the body of Christ as it pertains to emotional and mental healing. Some of the things that, that we've seen as a, as a staff over the course of just this past several years, I want to read some of them to you, but... We've dealt with people who have dealt with serious past trauma, whether it's relational, whether it's uh, the loss of someone, whether it's sexual trauma, people dealing with guilt and shame and insecurities, mood disorders, depression, bipolar, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, people dealing with social anxiety, panic attacks, fear of leaving their home or doing certain things, phobias that are so strong in people's lives, personality disorders, obsessive thoughts, schizophrenia, people who deal with self-harm, people who struggle with substance abuse and other addictive behaviors and dependencies. And the list just goes on and on. 
And for a long time, as a pastoral staff, if you would, people would come into the church and they'd say, hey, I have a problem. Can you help me? And, and you have to understand, how many believe in the power of prayer, that prayer can set people free and heal people? And, and I've, I've witnessed it in my own life. I've, I've experienced prayer. I've, I've experienced being set free from certain bondage in the past. But what happens when the prayer happens and you continue on and it just doesn't seem to go? And then it's just this repetitive nature that happens over and over. Jesus has an interaction with the Pharisees in the New Testament. And he says, you lay a heavy burden on people. You lay a heavy burden on people. You place the expectations on them as if, if someone comes with a brokenness, you say, well, you're, you're not praying hard enough. You're not walking in faith. You're not worshiping. You're not obeying. You're not doing all these things. So you're, play, you're making it hard for them to find healing. And I think sometimes we can oversimplify certain aspects of our lives um, when it comes to dealing with mental and emotional issues. The National Alliance on Mental Health had, relate, had given some statistics, and these statistics, most of them are pre-COVID or pre-pandemic numbers, but one in four adults will experience a mental illness in any given year, and this is prior to the pandemic. 25% of the nation's youth, ages 6 to 17, will experience a mental health or emotional disorder before adulthood, and these numbers over the past three years have skyrocketed. And so what do we do, family? As a church who knows that healing and the power of Jesus is what society needs ultimately. Well, I believe it's twofold. I believe we not only can understand how to sit people, beside people and listen, but I believe we need to recognize that we need as a body of Christ to be equipped. Many years ago, when we began this approach to build this wellness center, we become very intentional of not only equipping those who are on team and the staff, but the those who serve on team on a Sunday, but then also the body of Christ to be equipped. And you might say, well, why is it my responsibility? You'll never know when someone will walk up to you wanting to be healed or needing to be set free. And sometimes the greatest thing you can provide them is just to ear to listen. I realized a long time ago when God called me in the ministry, he had to remind me in the first several years that I didn't ask you to be people's savior. I didn't ask you to fix everybody's brokenness. I didn't ask you to set everybody free. I didn't ask you to deal with everyone's issues and their marriage problems and their addictive behaviors. That's not what you do. I'm asking you to introduce them to me and I will come alongside, redeem, clean, cleanse, restore. I'll help humanity find wholeness and healing. And sometimes in church, we take the first approach rather than the second. We take it upon ourselves to say, well, I'm going to help you get over this. You can help them find healing through, through Jesus. But I want us to recognize our strengths and our weaknesses. I remember um, when... Liza and I moved into our home in Pittman. We had just um, purchased this new home. We were newly married. We just came out of having um, uh, a miscarriage in our first child, and Harper had just arrived and to our house after that first miscarriage. And there was all these waves of emotions, and the church started to grow, and, and I was always working more hours than I should have been working. And, and, um, but I was excited, and I was doing the work for the Lord. So could you argue with me? And, 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 and now looking back, I'm like, well, I, I, I had indicators in my life. I had people telling me what I should do. And, 
but I believe God wanted to teach me. And I believe God wanted to reveal to me certain things. Well, there was a certain day when I was in, and some of you know this story, but I was in a staff meeting on a Monday morning and I was sitting at a table with my father and two other people and I just started to cry. Nothing had happened, nothing had transpired in the meeting. People didn't say like, your preaching is awful, you know? And then I just started to cry. I, we're literally mid-sentence, someone was talking and I just started to cry. And I can, I can tell you with all honesty, I don't know what, I'd, what frightened me more than anything is I didn't know why. Wiping tears, and I'm like, I remember looking up to my dad, and I'm like, I'm fine. And the moment after I said, I'm fine, I started crying again. <laughs> and my dad said, guys, get out of the room, you know. And I'm so grateful I had people around me to help, help me in those seasons without saying to me, hey, we're going to pray for you right now. You're going to be set free and healed, and it's all going to be good. For the next three or four months, I battled with what felt like a cloud of darkness that just wouldn't leave. And my mother would always come over and she would pray. I said, I don't feel like praying, but she would smile. And I said, but I know I need it. And, and we would pray together and she would drop off books and, and I would go through the scriptures and, and I would read and I never felt like doing what was right, but I needed to do it. I needed to open the word. I needed to be in, in worship. When, when worship would play, it would feel like for a moment the cloud would lift and and I suppose in those moments of me dealing what would be in many ways described as a depressive state, I, I started to recall all the times that people came to me and told me that they dealt with depression. And I often trivialized it and saw it as just a simple thing to get over yourself and just move on until I myself was in that place and it was horrible. But I know that God met me there. And God did something in me in those seasons that I, quite frankly, I don't know if, he, if I would have ever learned the lessons that I've learned in those seasons. God is not the God that causes pain, but he will not allow it to go to waste. He'll use it. He'll use it to strengthen you, to redeem you, to, to grow you. The Bible says that the Lord is near. Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed, the, the crushed in spirit. That's our God. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. He's ever present in our time of need. He doesn't depart from us. If you might be asking if, if there's people in your world that have dealt with those issues or maybe you're dealing with them now, what do you say and what do you give to, to help them? It's, it, I want us to be a family that learns how to embrace people when they feel like they're living in a hopeless season, to be embraced in 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 arms of people to say, hey, I may not understand what you're going through, but I want you to know that we're going to do everything we possibly can to get you in front of every group, in front of every professional, to just love on you, to pray with you, to encourage you in every season of your life. Um, and that's how we find healing. Can you say amen? So what does it look like when I was in the home and I remember pacing back and forth all the time. I didn't know. And, and how many of you know, like a good response when you're dealing with something internally is just, you just try harder. That's not a good response. I'm just kidding. You don't do that. I, I just remember saying, it's not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. It took me a few weeks to realize I can't fix it. Um, the only bizarre, the awkward thing that had transpired out of it, I lost about 30 pounds. And, and I remember someone coming up to me in the lobby of church and said, Pastor, you look fantastic. And I said, and I didn't want to say to him, I haven't eaten in three weeks, but thank you, you know. And um, 
I remember telling my father, I don't feel like coming to church, which would have been a problem because I was the executive pastor at the time. And I said, I can't go to church. And he says, well, you, you, you need to be in church. I said, well, I can't help anyone. I, I, I just, every time I get near the church, I just cry. And he says, well, then stand in the front and cry. And so for about three weeks, I stood in the front of the, of, of the church. And I sat where I would normally sit at JMT, and I just cried. And I knew that I was there. People probably think, oh, our pastor, he's so in touch with God. <laughs> Look at him. He just weeps before the Lord. What a humble man. He just loves God so much. He just cries. He doesn't care, you know. No, I did care what people thought. But I knew that I needed it. But I didn't want anyone else to see it. Do you know healing and wholeness comes when you're willing to allow others to see you where you are? And I suppose that's what we've in the past maybe have failed to do. If you want to know what my heart really is, I want this to be a home where people feel comfortable to be who they are, to deal with the pains and the struggles that they really have. Some of you have never lived in an environment where you can be honest about what you're dealing with. You've been told to just get over yourself pull up your big boy pants and just move on. God will see you through it. Say a prayer, get on and keep going. And while I admire that, that strength and that perseverance, I think there's foolishness in it. Because unless we're honest with one another about what we're dealing with and where we're struggling, I don't believe we'll have the victory in it. The scriptures never teach us to hide sin and brokenness. And if we hide it, the better you hide it, the quicker it'll disappear. Scripture doesn't say that. It says, reveal what's hidden in the darkness to the light. And when it's exposed to the light, healing will happen. Share with one another the things that you're dealing with and pray for restoration and healing and it'll be so. 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through, uh, 3 through 5 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Family, I read that verse before from a platform, and I can tell you the second time I read it after I experienced what I experienced, I, don't, I couldn't get through it without crying. Do you ever tell people that God's a God of comfort? You can know he's a God of comfort until you actually need him to be the God of comfort. And then when you desperately need him to be the God of comfort, he becomes something so much more in your life and in your journey. For many seasons as a family of, of, of believers, we've been intentional about helping people through their journey. What you just saw on the screen that we've worked on diligently, and we refer to as Care Plus, it is a supplemental interactive devotional that we believe will be beneficial to you in seasons of struggle. And as a, as a team, we've identified a multitude of specific areas that we've watched over the course of a decade where people come to the church and say, hey, I'm really struggling with loss, with grief, with infertility, whatever it may be. And and so what we've done is we've gathered as much devotional material, past messages, testimonies from individuals in our church who have walked that walk, gone through the journey, and God has blessed them, healed them, restored them, set them free, given them children, whatever the case may be. 
and to be an encouragement to you, to come alongside you so that you can grow in your journey with Jesus and know that you're not in the fight alone. Can you say amen? One of the things that the devil does, and he's very good at this, is when you're going through something, even in a crowd of this size, you can say, I'm the only one. <laughs> it's just a lie. It's not true. So many people are going through the same journeys. As people have gone through the journeys, there are people beginning that journey, and there are people who are well beyond the journey and walking in healing and wholeness now. And so how do we help one another? Well, the scripture teaches in Revelation 12, 11, that they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And so what does that, what does that declare? It says that if brothers and sisters in Christ would be confident in sharing their faith with one another, and not just their faith, their story, their story. I remember hearing a testimony shared by someone close to me who I love. And they said, let me share with you my testimony. And I remember hearing it. And I said, I mean, it's true. But you just told all the highlights of the story. You didn't tell it all. You didn't tell them where you started and what God had redeemed. You didn't tell them about your brokenness and how Years went by before you walked in freedom and healing. You didn't tell them about the bumpiness. You, you left out all the dirty stuff and just told them about all the good. Now, what does that do to someone who's walking through a difficult season? It makes them feel like they're the only ones in the room that actually are going through a trial and a tribulation. But what happens if you're honest and transparent and say, hey, some days I don't feel like getting out of bed. Some days I'm so overwhelmed with the challenges and the obstacles that are around me. What do I do? Who do I talk to? Where do I, where do I confess my sin? Where do I go for prayer? Where do I go when I'm needing something? And my heart has always been, you should go to the house of the Lord. It's within the house of the Lord that you can find healing and restoration and and so for many of you, if as we near the construction of the wellness center and the preparation of that and all that that entails and the coaches that'll be trained within this house and the professionals that'll operate there and the recovery crews and all the different uh, groups that'll meet there to help people in their journeys, you might say, well, what do we do in the meantime? I want you to stand beside people and listen to them, hear their stories. But I believe the only way we ultimately listen in a way that actually helps if we begin first by asking ourselves, are there areas in our own life that we refuse to talk about and deal with? Are there areas in our own journey that we've been taught just to hide and hope it goes away and never actually had a conversation with someone about it? Maybe you've experienced something and you're like, man, I'm just going to keep forgetting about it. And I, can I tell you something? I believe that that's the enemy's prerogative. He wants you to hide yourself, to isolate yourself, to pretend like it doesn't happen. And you never walk in the wholeness and the victory that comes through Christ Jesus. But that's why he came. That's why he came to set us free. There's a question that many people ask me in regard to mental health. They ask me this question can I still be a strong Christian but deal with a reoccurring emotional issue? My Pentecostal background would tell me to say to you right now, absolutely not. Your faith is not strong enough. <laughs> but my, my Bible teaches me otherwise. 
some of those who I admire the most in the Apostle Paul and King David, in Job and Elijah. They experienced themselves great deals of deal. They experienced with themselves a depression that almost seemed to overwhelm them. And some of them, when it would go, it would come back, and all for different reasons. Some of it was just utter exhaustion for doing things constantly and not caring for, the, for their physical body. They emotionally were depleted, and they found themselves in a depressive state. Some were depressed because everything they loved had been taken from them. They were overwhelmed with grief. And so they found themselves in a, in a state of depression. It's a perfect microcosm or a perfect example of what the church can become if you read the responses of, the, of Job's friends when Job lost everyone he loved and everything he owned. And then his friends come around them, and you know what they say? They pour on, they pour on the religious obligations. They said, well, you should have prayed more, Job. You should have worked harder, Job. You should have avoided sin more. They kept telling him all these things, and later on you'd see that the Lord would almost correct them for their accusations toward him, but there were seasons of depression because of what he lost that caused him to feel like everything was gone. Now, if, if, if the assumption is that if you would just try harder and, and act in faith more, that it would just go away. It leaves us in this place of saying, if you're dealing with a mental illness, it's your fault. And if that's the case, then don't tell anyone because then you can't ask for help because you're the one with the problem. And we'll just keep suggesting, just go back home and read your Bible. Can I tell you, we should all be reading the word of God and praying each and every day, whether we have an issue or not. Can somebody say amen? That should be our directive every single day that we should be preparing ourselves for anything that comes before us in seasons of life. And not just to kind of strengthen ourselves so that we can be a strength to other people that are around us. The Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 12 after he asked the Lord to deal with something in his life. Scholars don't know what Paul was referring to. Some seem to suggest that it was maybe a mental illness or something. Could have been something physical. We just don't know. But I think the Lord wanted it that way. I think the Lord prefers it so that it can speak to anything. He says to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It means it's enough. It's enough. My grace is enough for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. What does that mean? I won't be quiet about it. I wonder what areas in your life you struggle with that you've committed to be quiet about. I want you to think about it differently today. What if you boasted about it? What if you said, I am dependent upon God? What if you said, I need family? I need brothers and sisters in Christ to stand around me and hold me up because there's seasons of life I can't get through. I will admit to you today, I, I, I tell more people during the week, I need help, then it might shock you. <laughs> I say to my staff, hey, I need help with this. I'll call other pastors, say, hey, I need help with this. I'll tell my wife, hey, I need help with our kids ASAP. <laughs> you know, 
whatever it may be, I'm asking for help. And, and I recognize that there's, there's wisdom in being honest about where you are. <laughs> Paul says, that is why for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, not for my own, but for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, and in difficulties. Listen to what he says. It's not because he's some wacko where he's like, ah, I just love pain and persecution, you know. He's like, no, no, because if it's true that when I'm weak, he is strong, then I will boast all the more gladly that I'm weak in these seasons so that his strength will abound in my weakness. And what is he saying? He's saying, listen, if, I'm, if, if, if I can't do this marriage right and I can't do my business right and I'm struggling emotionally and relationally, I'm gonna say, hey, I need Jesus and people and professionals and help over here. And, and I'm gonna boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ abounds in it. So that Christ abounds in it. He's given us one another. You know, the scripture says that the gifts we own that God has given us are not our own. They're for one another. They're for the body of Christ. And within the body of Christ, he's given us great counselors, great people with wisdom to help us, to be ears, to listen in a way that can practically direct us to be obedient to God's word, but help us in seasons of illness. I want to leave you with this passage found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. And as the rest of the worship team gets ready to come out, um, I want to just share this with you because I think it'll help you today before we go. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, it says, Yet now I am happy, Paul writes, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. What is Paul saying? He's saying there's two types of sorrow in our lives. Sorrow that brings healthy change, and there's sorrow that leads us to death and separation. Now, you might be familiar with them along the terms of conviction and guilt. Some of us are dealing with conviction. Why? Because you know what God's word says and you're choosing not to walk in it. And Paul says, I'm glad that you feel sorrowful in those seasons. Why? Because that sorrow should lead you to repent before God. It should lead you back to a place of repentance. When Paul would proclaim God's truth before people, he did it unashamedly. He did it with conviction. He did it with a sense of absolute. He, he wasn't passive in his declaration of God's promises. And when he says, you should give generously, you should obey God's word, you, sh you, should, you should abstain from sexual immorality, you should honor life. When, when Paul began to preach all of these things, he didn't say, well, you choose what you want and then walk in freedom. He says, no, obey God's word. And some of us, when we choose to deliberately defy the law of God and his command, sadness will fill our heart. Paul says, I'm glad that that sadness will lead you to a place of repentance. That's conviction. The difference between conviction and guilt is guilt tells you there's no way out. There's no healing. There's no fixing it. It's broken. It'll always be broken. No one can redeem it. That does not come from God. 
That comes from our adversary. That's why the scripture says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ paid to redeem it all, to restore it all, to heal it all. That all comes from Jesus. He's come to do that for us. Come on, give God some praise in that. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Three thoughts before I close. First is if, if you're taking notes, determine what type of sorrow you're dealing with today. What are you dealing with? Who do you need to talk to? Some of you desperately need to talk to people, but you're not in a crew. You look at crews in the life of the church for just those who have all the time in the world um, on the weekends or in the week and they have nothing else going on and it's just people who are emotionally dependent and need other people that, you know, they're there. That's not it. Crews are people who stand beside you in trial and tribulation in seasons of your life. They're there to pray with you and need to, in seasons you need prayer. They're there to rejoice with you when you're rejoicing and mourn with you when you're mourning. For a long time, we've cultivated this idea that I come to church for an hour and then after that, I'm good. That's not scriptural. We do life with one another. And I know some of you are like, man, that's a lot. It is a lot. But the Bible says that when we said yes to Jesus, we've, we forsake all that we were pursuing to pursue him and to run after the things of God. And some of you are like, man, what you're saying means that my life needs to change in a good way. And you'll be grateful for it. You'll thank God for it. The greatest compliment you'll ever get in your life is if someone says to you, man, you've changed. <laughs> and if it's changed for the betterment to walk in healing and wholeness with Jesus. Determine what, what type of sadness and sorrow you're experiencing in your life. Second thing is this. We need to stay connected in healthy relationships no matter what. That needs to be a non-negotiable for you. There's too many lone Christians out there saying, no, you know, you're, you're declaring the promises of God, but you're disconnected from the body. Think of it as an arm detached from the body, thrown out into a field and saying, come on, thrive. Come on, thrive. Do what you are called to do. Declaring the promises of God. The reason Paul writes in scripture over and over and over and over again that we were called to one another is because, and the reason we're referred to as a body of Christ is because our futures are intertwined. Our healings are intertwined. Our victories are intertwined. Our mourning and our joy, it's intertwined with one another. And the reason you always feel like you're dragging and you never have enough is if you're constantly trying to do it alone. That's not the journey with Jesus that he's promised you. That's not a life of abundance and healing and freedom in Jesus. The final thing is this. You need to remember that no matter what, no matter where you are, maybe you're not connected in a crew. Maybe you're not on a team. Maybe you're not consistent in the house of God. No matter where you are, I want you to remember this, that God has not forsaken you. God is ever present. You're not alone. There are other people who have gone through similar trials, if not the exact same thing. Now, you might think that you are the exception in the room, and I'm here to tell you today you're not. You are special but you're not so special that no one else on earth has experienced the pain that you've walked in. And you can find healing in connected to the body of Christ and through the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on, stand to your feet. Let me pray for you as we get ready to go back into worship as a family. Stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray for you, family. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us regardless of where we find ourselves today. Father, I rebuke in the name of Jesus any thoughts of condemnation or guilt 
any thoughts of shame that may be coming up in the hearts of people right now. And Father, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, that you would release in this house a spirit of transparency and honesty. May we be honest with ourselves, God. May we stop playing church. Stop just saying things that we don't really believe. Stop walking through the motions. Stop just going through the routine, God. May we pursue you for who you really are, according to your word. May we approach you as if you are our Jehovah Jireh. May we approach you that you are our healer, that you are um, all that we require. Father, may we approach you in such a way as we begin to worship you, God. Father, we pray for healing and reconciliation, Father. We pray for those who are dealing with illnesses, Father, across this house. May they know today they are not alone in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Father, for all that you have done, for all that you will continue to do in this house. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.